It's nothing but a bad nigga. Ain't getting nothing but a bad nigga. It's all we do it for. It's for the bad nigga. What's up, Will? What's up, Cap? We're live post game show. Uh, Panthers Cowboys lost 30. Was it 30? Uh, let's get this score up real quick, man. It was 38, what, 38 30? I mean, 38 26. First yeah. loss of the season to the Dallas Cowboys. No initial start to this game, you know, I think it came, you know, we had some plays here and there we could have made, but ultimately it just came down to the trenches, man. You know, the, I thought Dallas just set the tone on both sides of the ball. Um, offensively, they were able to knock our guys back, get those combo blocks to the second level, and they rushed the 245 yards on our defense, which was number one in the league coming into the game. That really set the tone there on uh, offense when we, Gave up five sacks, 11 quarterback hits. Uh, couldn't protect the quarterback. Couldn't get much going in the run game consistently. And it was just, I think that's what it came down to. We did leave some plays on the field here and there. But ultimately, I just think Dallas being able to control the game on both sides of the ball is what ended up being the result of this game. What are your overall thoughts on the game, Kev? Yeah, well, for me, you know, being a trench guy, you know, I'm definitely, that's, you know, for me, that's that's where it starts and that's where it ends for me. Uh, you know, the trenches definitely is where attitude needs to be established heading to this game. Um, there was definitely legit concerns. Uh, you know, Dallas coming to this game only had four quarterback sacks through three games. And just today alone, five quarterback sacks, uh, 11 quarterback hits. Uh, and I believe they had like 21 quarterback um, hurries. So, you know, for Sam Donald, who dropped back a total of 39 times, you know, you're talking about three quarters of the time, you know, he passed the ball. He's under, you know, some form of quarterback pressure. So for me, it, it, you know, Carolina's inability um, offensively to um, to handle uh, the defensive scheme uh, by Dallas, you know, really threw me for really threw me off. And I had to own up to it. You know, heading to the game, I remember saying, you know, there's been a Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn defense, uh, you know, expect a lot of heavy cover three. Well, obviously, um, you know, he has some cover three principles, but uh, this Dallas team played a lot more uh, aggressive man blitz uh, defense than I was expecting. So, you know, hats off to, um, you know, Dallas for just coming out with a defensive game plan that was going to uh, pretty much harass you know, us for the uh, for the entire game. Um, flip the ball on the other side. You know, the Panthers' defensive line just uh, for the first time pretty much got manhandled. One of the things I did mention in our pregame earlier this week episode was the fact that, you know, Dallas like to come out and play smash-mouth defense, um, you know, line up. You know, this ain't no zone-blocking team. This is a straight. Um, we're going to double your defensive tackles, and we're going to move and slide them off to your linebackers. And that's what they consistently did. Uh, throughout the entire game, you know, Dallas averaged a little over seven yards per carry. Uh, Zeke, eight, 143 yards on 20 carries. Tony Pollard, eight, 67 yards on 10 carries. Um, you know, it was just consistently just, um, it was just consistently just a dominating, overwhelming effort, you know, by the Dallas offensive line, which traditionally has, you know, been strong. 
if any one play was going to symbolize how this day was going to end up, I would say it would be the very first play of the game where, you know, we was there, but so close, yet it just didn't work out for us. Remember the first play of the game where we came after uh, Dak Prescott and Jermaine Carter almost had to sack, but Zach spent out of it and was able to pick up the first down. And, you know, when you look back over the game, you look at the final score, 36-28. You know, we was down at one point 33-14, you know, heading to the fourth quarter, and the Panthers uh, began to, um, you know, make a rally in the fourth quarter. I actually had opportunities to put themselves in a position to possibly even tie the game. But just overall, uh, we got dominated. We got embarrassed. We got humiliated. Um, at the end of the day, yeah, you can look at it as three and one, but now we're going to really see, now that there's film out on how to attack this, uh, attack our defense, which was ranked number one going into the league, we got thoroughly exposed on all levels. So we're going to see what type of coaching, um, what, type, what, what our players, what type of coaching we're going to go through and what our players are going to, how they're going to respond from, you know, being humbled and humiliated. Right, and the crazy thing is, you look at the halftime score, we're up by a point heading into the third quarter. Then I just think we, that's when you started to see the wheels kind of come off. You know, they were starting to get pressure on the quarterback. You know, we had two interceptions. We had uh, um, gave up a big play over the top. I thought it was good coverage by uh, CJ on that play. Just an incredible throw, ball placement by Dak, and great catch by Amari Cooper. And then, you know, it just kind of, I mean, what was it, 20 to nothing in only the third quarter? So I think we just kind of got behind. You know, the turnovers will do that to you. I thought the um, missed field goal hurt as well. Think about when you kick a 54-yard field goal, you miss it, you give another team good field position, and we hadn't been able to stop them all game long. So we just gave them another scoring opportunity with, you know, a short field. So it came down to a few plays that they made we weren't able to make, and I think that's ultimately – the difference, you know, you look at the offensive line play. I mean, I know that's kind of the theme of the loss today, but I think there's a lot of other areas, you know, we can't excuse as well. I thought the D line got manhandled, our defensive front seven, you know, got beaten up a little bit. And that was a big reason why Dallas was able to set the tone today. Um, I think the penalties, you know, hurt us in a few uh, instances on offense as well. Can't have that. And then, I mean, two turnovers, I mean, you know, you can't beat teams like this when you're giving them the, giving the ball away like that. And I think on those two interceptions, one of them, I mean, it was under a little bit of pressure, but he stepped up in the pocket. You know, he had a clean pocket to throw. It just looked like he didn't see uh, Trayvon Diggs, you know, kind of eyeing him and looked like he was in robber coverage. I got to see the all 22. It was a good play on by the defense, but, you know, still, you know, you have to be more careful with the football. Then on second interception, this looked like he tried to force it to DJ. Um, Trayvon Diggs was anticipating, you know, driving on that underneath route. And it was able to make that pick and get Dallas good field position again. So, you know, I think this that third quarter. We just kind of saw us unravel, couldn't stop them on defense, couldn't protect the quarterback. And at times the quarterback was protected. We didn't take care of the football. And that proved to be the difference, you know, in the game when you look at the score. <laughs> yeah, and for me, you know, this game had a lot of feels. Uh, you remember the uh, 2013 um, divisional round against the 49ers where some bad some bad obvious bad calls early that went against us just kind of steamrolled. That's, that's exactly what this game, you know, had me in the mind of. You know, when you think about Dallas' second drive and, you know, the and, 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 you know, we're, you know, here to form a rush. We're not one to, you know, you know, place the blame on bad calls because we feel like we should be able to come back and be good enough to execute and overcome. But you just kind of can feel like, like, 
the uh, the momentum definitely came away. I mean, on that ball, I mean, on that drive, our defense, you know, seemed to have came away with the ball twice. Um, you know, for the luck, for the love of me, you know, can someone explain to me how they want to call forward progress on on that play with Chin? You know, had a perfect textbook, you know, tackle and force fumble. You know what I'm saying? But then offensively, when Dallas, you know, continued on that drive, the um, the obvious, you know, pick play that, you know, set them free for the touchdown. Um, it was just, you know, as I put in the formula chat, we definitely had to be had to be better than both the players and the calls today. And like I say, it just really gave me that feel of how things got away from us early when we played the 49ers back in the 2013 home divisional game, um, you know, with the, you know, with just the obvious bad calls. But at the end of the day, um, those calls did not affect, you know, how we played in the trenches. Um, them calls did not affect how we uh, got off the, uh, off the ball. So, um, yeah, it was it was ugly. But we, we really want to see what this team is all about moving forward. Yeah, we just had uh, Smooth uh, join the stream. What were your overall thoughts on the game? Um, just things that I had concerns about all year long for the past several years, you know, coming into play. Uh, we lost in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I see people on Twitter having issues with Jermaine Carter, but at the same time, how can Jermaine Carter be effective if the defensive tackle in front of him is getting blown off the ball five yards? Um, in terms of the offense, same thing. Uh, I saw a clip where, Somebody said Donald just has to get rid of the ball. Like, he, like that's what he got to do. But when you already rattled, you got to go back to the fact what made you rattle. He was under duress all game long. This game, we, we were waiting for a game like this. I think, Kevin, I have the same view as him. Like, I can appreciate it because you need this type of ass whooping to see where you are. Um, we're supposed to be a team that's physical, and we lost in that category. They, they beat us physically today. So it is what it is. It all starts in the trenches. We had a lot of pretty toys on the outside with corners and receivers and a quarterback that's having a pretty good season. But guess what? All of that got shut down today because of what I've been preaching for the last several years. We haven't properly addressed the trenches. So whenever we face a team that's going to be like this, upper echelon type of team that's good on both sides of the ball in the trenches, this is what the outcome is going to look like until we man up. That's all you can really expect. Yeah, you look at our defensive stats when your two safeties are leading the team in tackles, you're likely not having a good day on defense. I mean, that's going to come down to Dallas getting guys on your – getting bodies on your first and second level and guys like Chin and Sean Chandler having to make these open field tackles on these Dallas running backs. So, I mean, I think it just came down. I mean, it's really not – there's really no fancy strategy about it. I mean, you watch the first few series. I mean, Dallas was just pounding that rock down our throats. I mean, our defensive tackles getting combo block driven back right into our linebackers. I mean, Zeke basically had choices. Zeke and Pollard basically had choices of which hole they wanted to go to. You know, I mean, they broke to, they got in the open field. I mean, they broke tackles. Guys weren't taking good angles. Just kind of reminded us of our run defense from last year. You know, we were so solid against the run. I mean, it's not like we played bad running teams. I mean, we held Alvin Kamara to five yards in New Orleans. It just seems like today. You know, Dallas just made up their mind they were going to pound the rock at our undersized defensive line. And then what's the best way? You know, Phil Snow's created with his pressure packages and getting after the quarterback. So what's the best way 
to go up against that. You know, you just pound the rock down your opponent's throat, run it at those undersized edge rushers, move those guys off the ball. And, you know, that's what we saw today, 245 yards uh, rushing. So let's go back into that um, early in the game. Did you see, like, this momentum swing when Jeremy Chin made that stick and the guy fumbled? Did you think that could have been a play that could have changed the outcome of the game, or you think it's just more about whining about the rest? Uh, me personally, <clears throat> I just I've been watching football for for thirty years. I understand that there's going to be weeks where, especially when you're on the road, you have to go and beat a team and beat the refs. So yeah, that was a momentum swinger. Yeah, it was a terrible call. But if you looked around the NFL today, there's been terrible calls all over the place. You got to be able to man up and travel to a different stadium and beat the beat the team and the refs sometimes. And we went to Dallas today. That's America's team. They always have things slid towards their advantage. So we knew to expect that already. That's why I'm not really surprised, and I'm not going to use that as an excuse. But it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, you should have rebounded after that. You know what? The refs gave us a bad call. Let's get them out in the next three downs. And we didn't do that. So I'm just holding our players accountable, and the coaching was horrendous today. I don't know if you talked about that yet, but the coaching, horrendous. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, especially in close games or games when you're trailing about multiple scores, timeouts become more and more valuable. And I think by, what, the third, early in the fourth quarter, we had already uh, burned three timeouts. What do you think of that, Kev? Do you think that would have um, – I mean, those three timeouts would have helped us late down, down in the game, especially down by one score? I mean, traditionally you would think that if we would have had access to our three timeouts, it would have helped us. But – Again, when you're getting dominated in the trenches, when you're giving up seven yards to carry on the rush, I mean, let's 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 just let's just play devil advocates. Let's say that we did have all three timeouts when we was down a score. You know, when you look back at, um, you know, Dallas, you know, when they was, um, you know, closing out the game, um, you know, to, you know, put it away on us. Uh, let's just look at what happened. You know, first down, um, Tony Pollard goes for 18 yards, you know. Next first down, Zika Elliott go for eight. So, okay, that's two timeouts right there. If we got our two timeouts right there, then what? Um, you're still dealing with, you know, second and two at one timeout left. Um, you know, they just seem to have been able to uh, maintain to just move the ball. So let's just say we didn't take two timeouts and we still had three after that. Okay, when Dallas had it second and two, all right, they got an offsides. I mean, it was offside on the Panthers that made it, you know, go from um, that made it second and two. Um, and Azuka Elliott, one yard. Uh, Prescott, you know, got an eight-yard pass completion. Uh, and then a two-minute warning. So even if we would have used the time, still had our two timeouts there, it really, in my opinion, looking at how it would, really wouldn't have affected the outcome of the game because on third and one, what happened? We gave up five yards to um, to um, who was it? Got it, Tony Pollard here. So for me, whether we would have had the three timeouts or not, the way that we had the inability to stop the run, there was no faith that having the timeouts would have changed the would have changed the outcome. You know, it was just the, it was just delaying the inevitable, in my opinion. So, but yeah, I get the traditional thing, yeah, you know, time management and things like that. If if we was having a much more competitive game, but uh, the way our run defense was and tackling things like that, um, 
you know, choose when he was going to use your three timeouts, and Dallas was still picking up, you know, more than enough yards to keep the chains moving, in my opinion. Well, I don't, I don't, I mean, that's a good point to talk about the time management, but that's just the, that's just one of bitty blunders from the coaching staff today. The one that I was blown most back by was, you know, it's like third and, third and short for the most part, it was like 33 yards. You're like their 37, 36 yard line. And you know, you don't have a kicking game and you still chose to choose a field goal. The only time I would have tried to try to kick a field goal is if me making that field goal would change it to more than a one-possession game. If it was up to me, you know, you're talking about Tepper loves analytics. The analytics would tell you punt the ball and have the, the field position advantage. But you took a risk, kicked the field goal, missed, gave them a short field. That's kind of what changed everything for me. It wasn't the the bad the bad fumble call. It was really that. That was really the, the worst play, the worst coaching I've seen in the game. I see this comment about the play caller. I actually thought Joe Brady called a pretty good game today. Um, Dallas played a lot of man coverage. I mean, I know Darnold's the quarterback, and people like to give the quarterback all the credit or give the quarterback all the blame. To me, Darnold's good performance is because of Joe Brady, his ability to scheme guys open. When Darnold is off play action, making one read, look how open these wide receivers are. He's not fitting balls in the tight windows or anything like that, you know. He's running these crossers, rub routes against man coverage, against zone coverage. He has multiple options for him, and he's able to find guys in these huge throwing um, spaces. So it's not – I think uh, Joe Brady's done a great job. Even if you look at on the interception that Darnold threw, Terrace Marshall, when you look at the All-22, he was streaking wide open down the field, wide open. I mean, if Darnold had protection and was able to get a few more – another split second, he might have been able to – See Terrace Marshall, and that would have been an explosive game-changing play right there. Or even late in the game, Robbie Anderson, wide open. That was a potential touchdown. We just overthrew the ball there. So I think it's not about Joe Brady, um, Joe Brady's play calling. I think it comes down to one, we're not protecting the quarterback. And two, the times the quarterback is protected, you know, we're not making the plays we need to make. So I just think it all comes down to just executing what Joe Brady's going to be able to call. I think he's doing the best he can considering the weaknesses on the offensive line. Saw we tried a quarterback sneak on third and one, got stuffed. Why? Because we can't move people off the ball. So what does he do? Instead of trying to run down their throats, he's going to say, okay, let's try to get a little cute here, you know, do some cutie pie stuff, hand it to DJ Moore on that um, wide receiver uh, reverse uh, jet sweep, I mean. And, you know, that was a good way to take advantage of, you know, not being able to move people. So we got to finesse them. So I think uh, Brady's overall, I think he's been just as, if not not as valuable as Phil Snow, but I think he's really showing his worth this season, trying to scheme around these offensive line deficiencies. What do y'all think about that? Yeah, well, for me, I think that fans that who have players or coaches that they don't like are particularly, from what I've seen on both Twitter, Facebook, you know, that's where they're placing blame. You know, if you're not a fan of Joe Brady, you want to blame Joe Brady um, for what happened today. If you're not a fan of Sam Donald, you know, you want to you wanna blame Sam Donald for it. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody got fingerprints on this loss. There's nobody from, you know, from the top where it starts, Matt Rule, down to the 53rd or 53 man. I don't know if we elevated anybody up before the game um, to play. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, for me, you know, it's just, it was just, it was just completely just 
blown out. You know, um, like you said, Joe Brady, like when you when you go back and watch the film, as you state, I mean, I, I could, even though I was paying attention to trenches, but I was looking a little bit more and I was just seeing players, you know, streaking by like, man, there you go, man, if he only would have had it, you know, so – I mean, so, but, you know, when certain fans have it out for a player or coach that they don't particularly care for, they, they're going to fixate it where that, okay, yeah, this is the reason why we lost because it was play calling or, man, he had on the ball too long, man. Why he ain't just throw it? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, when Sam Donner took a couple of sacks, you know, before the end of the half, yeah, I get it. We were backed up. Nobody likes giving up sacks. But would you rather him try to force it and to, you know, to try to make something that wasn't there? Um you know, I just want there to be accountability. Like, if you're wrong and you messed up, that's fine. But, you know, to have it prefixed in your mind that, okay, I don't really care for this coach, so if something don't win, I got a finger point and blaming at him or with a player. Uh, I just just saw that. I just see that a lot amongst you know Panther fans here today. When the when the film comes out, it shows that it was actually totally different. And looks like Bill is, you know, following up on my original point. You go right back to coaching blunders. What was going on with the 12th man on the field? You watched your head football coach make that mistake. Your head football coach pushed that man into the game. All the week, all the mistakes that we made today is like Kevin said, everybody's fingerprints on it. But everything starts up top. It starts from you not properly addressing the offensive line to your coach being in in-game situations. And multiple times throughout his tenure year, tenure here, you're seeing him make mistakes, like high school mistakes sometimes. Actually, that's that, that was actually planned because what you had, I think it was second and two, and the clock's running, and the play that clock was 40 seconds. So by being able to have the 12 men out there, you give them the first down and you stop the clock. So now the clock is stopped, and you have three more downs to stop them. So we're saying we have a better chance of, you know, having them go first and 10 and keeping that 40 seconds, then having to stop them on the second and two, it's kind of something, um, remember if y'all remember, uh, Mike Rabel did something similar last year where he took a penalty to stop the clock. It's kind of a glitch in the rules that way. I didn't realize that I didn't yeah. that stops the clock. That's yeah, right. yeah so he was trying talking. to stop the clock. So, I mean, it's so, kind of a glitch in the rules he kind of put out there. So I think that was a 12-man thing was intentional. But, I mean, we, we – had our timeouts though, then you wouldn't have to do that in the first place. But I think that was kind of rules thinking on that one. <laughs> right. And then as you go back, if you go back to the point of why you don't have the timeouts, did y'all not feel like it was a lack of urgency when you're down like you are? Like why are you waiting till the play clock is getting down to three, two, one seconds left? Like shouldn't there be some urgency? Where's the no huddle? Where's guys Wanting to move the ball down the field. I didn't see that at all. That dates back to last year. You saw us, um, I think, even last year with Teddy at quarterback where the plays were getting in so late. Even you just saw no urgency during um, game time situations. That's definitely something I think we got to improve. It's easy when you're playing ahead and everything's going right. But when you um, are in these close games or you have to stage a comeback, those small things like that mean more. So I definitely want to see better execution down the stretch from both the coaching staff and the players. Yeah, that's definitely something that's, you know, obviously can't go situational football. And, you know, it, it just kind of makes me wonder, 
and, and like I said, we're not there, so it's, it's easy for us to speculate as fans. We've heard, you know, Matt Rule say numerous times, you know, that they that they practice, you know, being in chaos and things of that nature. So, you know, being chaotic situations. I mean, you know, I can't I tell. I'm, I can't tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's why I say it makes it hard for. That's why I say it makes it hard for fans not to speculate that you know you say one thing, but you, you know, we're, we're seeing the results of another. So. Um, you know, again, I want to see how much accountability after they go back and watch the film, you know, will come out of this, you know, from coaching, uh, because definitely um, I see that, you know, like I said, it, rule, rule makes rule is the head coach and he makes the final call on, you know, on, on who comes up and who's who's playing and things like that. So um, uh, it's, it, I, I get it. It's year two. But, you know, certain things that, you know, you want to be more advanced in. And not be partaking in then uh, these same similar situations, which bring up the ghost of 2020 for this uh, for this team. Um, you know, three and zero has a lot of things, but again, you know, if there was ever to be a loss to really, you know, quote shake your shit up. You know, this 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 is the one. You know, so um, I'm gonna be real paying attention to real how how the players come back and practice and you know come out things like that. Uh, I ain't gonna lie. I kind of fell into the trap, man. If we would have McCaffrey today, man, it could have been a different outcome. Could have been. Yeah, I, I, I would yeah, think so. Because Kev, you, you would have somebody making plays on their own. You would have. That, that's what the difference would have been. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times when he was quote hanging on too long, would it have been in our time? But you know, hopefully, you know, we get our stuff together. I, you know, like like that told Brady week one. We'll see you down the line. I love to come back and see this team again healthy, you know, again down the line too. You you can't tell me that um, you know, they they were, you know, that they were this much better. Um, but obviously if we see them down the line again, we obviously gotta get better line play because now the film is out around Lee. You wanna get this, you know, you wanna get at Carolina, this is the blueprint. This is what you do. The NFL is a copycat league, so you know, with next week opponent the Eagles coming up, you know, another NFC East team. You know, don't be surprised if they don't try to do some of the same looks and pressures um, and, and try to apply it, you know, to us to see, okay, let's see if Dallas is on to something. And they got you know, better defensive tackles in there than the Cowboys. Fletcher Cox is a grown man. Oh, yeah, a definitely a grown man. Definitely, definitely. So, we, you know, we're going to find out quick, like I say, quick, fast, in a hurry, you know, what these coaches are about and what these uh, players are going about. Because, you know, after Super Bowl 50, you know, I kept saying it, the, the, the Denver blueprint, and what teams did for us for two years, they they copycat and they did exactly that in different forms, you know, uh, with us. So um, I'm just I'm just curious to see how we uh, how we bounce back from this. Yeah, I know a lot of people. I mean, I agree to the sentiment that you know McCaffrey and J.C. Horn are both impact players, but I mean Dallas is missing Demarcus Lawrence and Leo Collins. So I mean, we just got to have that next man up mentality, you know, and just and that's how good teams are able to be consistent and win throughout the year. And hopefully, we get. You know, we get them, we get healthy down for that December stretch. Now, I got to address this comment. We like you, Stephen. We appreciate your support. But now we're not trading Robbie Anderson. Now. I mean, <laughs> Robbie, if you look at the um, – he's not being, he's not as productive as he was last year, but Robbie is getting open. I mean, there are probably two or three times, um, even since the week one, I want to say, but Robbie is, you know, open downfield, but – you know, it's because, one, I don't think we're protecting the quarterback. And, two, the times he is protected, he's either not seeing them. You know, he's anticipating pressure and has a clock in his head and takes a 
safer throw instead of trying to stretch the field with Robbie. But you see, like today, he had protection, and he just um, missed Robbie over top. So I just think we have to do a better job of, one, protecting the QB, and two, when the QB is protected, he needs to be more accurate on downfield passes to Robbie Anderson. So, you know, I think those are going to come as we get through the season. I mean, he's too explosive of a player not to make an impact, but I think we do want to see – I do want to see more production out of him. Uh, I want to hear that too. Year, <laughs> okay, go ahead. The thing about Robbie is, like CMC, he's also uses a decoy. You know, he keeps the defense – from loading the box on us, you know what I'm saying. There's a lot of, a lot of things that he does well aren't going to show up in the box score. I think he's very, very valuable to this football team, and I wouldn't think about trading him. And y'all know how bad I wanted a new offensive line. I just don't think that's the avenue I would take. You know, Robbie got paid for a reason. He's very important to what we do on this offense. Yeah, and even with that suggestion, that trade. I mean, one, that's not a, that's not enough value to get back close to a first round pick to get to, you know, first round blue chip offensive linemen. So, you know, like I said, Steve, you know, we love you, appreciate you, but that, that scenario just, you know, that's not even an applicable scenario um, that would even, um, that would even apply because one with the new contract extension, we would eat a ton of dead cap, which I'm tired of us doing, you know, by trading a Robbie Anderson or whatever. So, um, you know, and then two, Okay, outside of DJ Moore, what other wide receiver would step up that would provide the type of uh, effect on the play that Robbie is doing? Because just like just just because it's not been showed on the stats, you know, doesn't mean he's not having um, impact. You know, and he blocks well downfield on a big DJ Moore play today. He was right down the field blocking like you. Robbie plays hard every play. I, I'm, he's my favorite player on the team, so I just can't. I can't see that. I can't see trying to move him right now. Nah, because he even can't. I mean, it's been many times when DJ has big plays. There's two defenders following Robbie as well. So, again, we have to we have to not fall in love with the stat sheet and and as far as the determining impact of a player, because it's so much that doesn't get recorded by the stats that the impact is made that you know fans don't see until it's actually you know pointed out. You know, and that's where we step in. So we'll definitely make sure you know when the um, when when. Uh, when information is available to us to, you know, point out examples of, you know, look, hey, you know, this is what didn't show in the game, but this is what actually happened, you know. Yeah, my biggest issue with the defense was the missed tackle. I know Franklin did miss one assignment. It was a play-action pass, and the tight end leaked out, and he didn't uh, – he was in man coverage, had responsibility for that tight end. The second play, though, I'm not sure, because it looked like he was having – he was guarding the flat defender, and A.J. Bouye didn't carry – the receiver on the vertical route. So I think that might have been a miscommunication. Um, it might been, might have been um, Franklin's guy. I'm not sure, but I, I don't know if both touchdowns were on him. I think one was on him. The other one, it could have been either him or AJ. I have to watch and see what the assignments were. Because if you watch him, he looks like he's focused on the flat, the tight end that was going to the flat, and they kind of um, ran kind of a man beater there. And somebody didn't carry the vertical route into the – um, end zone. So I'm not sure if the both were on him. He did make a good pass, pass breakup on the end zone earlier in the game. Um, he took a tough angle on Zeke on one of those runs, but I mean, Zeke's a good open field runner as well. But I mean, he's a young player. I mean, I'm still high on him. It's good to see him getting reps, and I think he'll continue to get better as the season goes on. Look, while we're on the secondary, can we, can we talk about a little bit of positive? I think if everybody would have played like Dante Jackson today, we probably would have got a W. 
you know, to be honest with you. If you look at uh, C.B. Lamb, who he was on most of the game, five targets, two catches, 13 yards. You know, and I just want to bring that up because Dante has so many haters. Like, I know he made a lot of mistakes, but he's also fairly young, you know, just growing into his role. And now he's the leader of that room. I think that week one through four, he's been showing exactly what he is, the leader of that room. I just want to give him some credit because he played an outstanding football game today. He's the good pick on Marshall Jr. when there was good old line available. Actually, I think I don't think it was the Marshall pick that prevented us from getting a good offensive lineman in the draft. I think it was trading back too far to um down to the late third round with um Brady Christensen and um the Tommy Tommy Trimble. Those picks were the ones where we traded back. I think whether we traded back or not, we would have still got Marshall and still could have got an offensive lineman like um, Wyatt Davis. Or, yeah, Wyatt uh, Davis, yeah. you had yeah. uh, Creed Humphrey. You had – it was a ton of a ton of talent yeah. in that third round alone. It was a ton of talent that you passed on. Like, I'm yeah. never going to forget that front office for that. Never going to do it because it's when you scouting prospects, it's hard to find a ton of great players that you like. I never really had this many offensive linemen that I admired in one draft class. Like, not first-round picks, but, like, day two, day three picks. It was a lot of talent out there, and we got none of it. Like uh, like I said earlier, it starts up front. It starts up top. starts at the front office. Right. And, I mean, you look at Terrace Marshall. I saw him open downfield two or three times today. I mean, one, we threw the uh, interception to Trayvon Diggs, and another one, I just think, uh, was the good play by the defensive? Oh no, one, no one. Trayvon Diggs got the interception, and two, I just think you know Darnold. Maybe we don't not have the same chemistry yet, but he had to anticipate him breaking on that out route, throw the ball before he comes out of his break instead of waiting for him to make his cut and make the throw. So I mean, you don't see it in the stat book, but I think Marshall is doing a good job of getting open, and he's been more involved in the offense. But it's hard to use all these weapons when you can't protect your quarterback. I mean, that's what it's going to ultimately come down to. Yeah, and since we, you know, since we talk, talk about secondary, let's talk a little bit about the touchdown given up by C.J. Um, Henderson. Uh, I know a lot of fans were enraged and, you know, talking this nonsense. That was good coverage. It was just a hell of a pass to be good coverage, you know, from what I'm saying. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, Will and even Smooth, you know, I, I think y'all have more – y'all were longer on, you know, the intricacies of – you know, secondary play and coverage more than me. But, you know, when I went back and when I kept seeing the replays over and over, you know, um, that was just a hell of a on-time pass by Dak Pratt. I think it was just a case of uh, good coverage being beat by a great pass. Um, yeah, you know, y'all yeah. can elaborate, you know, whether that's that's true or not. But, you know, for the ones that want to roast, man, this is what we traded for. Man, look, at he done came in and gave up a touchdown. I just was like, are y'all really – Watching what took place, you know, that was just from that was just from my vantage point. Yeah, I mean, one, Mamari Cooper is an elite wide receiver, so let's not sleep on that. I mean, Dak Prescott, that was a perfectly placed throw. I mean, with us, when you're a corner man and you, a team, you can't be on one hand say, "Oh, why are we playing this soft cover three? You know, I want, I want, why are we, why are we challenging receivers? Yada yada yada. Now, when we play more man coverage, yeah, if you're taking more risks and guys are gonna have their W's, they're going to have their L's. So, I mean, it's, it comes with the territory. But when I mean, you have a perfectly placed ball like that, that's what you – your goal as a corner is to make the corner, the quarterback's throw as tough as possible. And, I mean, Dak put the ball where only his guy could get it. I mean, it was a well-placed pass. I thought the coverage was good. He was right there. He had his hand out trying to make the play. But, I mean, the ball was just 
outside shoulder right in the end zone, and Coop did a good job of getting his hands down. You know, your opponents get paid to make plays too. So, I mean, you know, sometimes you just got to live with it. But I don't think that's the reason we lost this game. I mean, it shouldn't have come down to that in the first place. A couple of years ago on primetime, we played the Steelers, and I think a young Dante Jackson gave up a similar play like that to Antonio Brown. Like when you – I don't think people understand how young CJ is. You know, he's still learning. Little subtle things giving a, a receiver an advantage. Like I don't know if y'all saw it, but it was like a, a slight little nudge just to give him that extra two inches of separation. That was a good play by Amari Cooper, man. It is what it is. You know what I mean? So, and this guy just got here, just learning the playbook. You know, give him some time. I went, I didn't even want to talk about that. I thought that was like a, a non-issue. Everybody with the common brain should understand that. We just traded for this guy. He got a half week of practice, and he's thrown into the game. Like you, you, I expected mistakes, honestly. Yeah, covering Mamari Cooper on his first third day in the building. I mean, <laughs> that's admirable to me. You think about, look at the other side of the ball: Trayvon Diggs and DJ Moore. DJ got his wins, but push come to show, Trayvon Diggs said, "All right, I see what you're doing." Through that uh, curl route to DJ Moore, Trayvon Diggs hopped it, got one on him. It's a back and forth battle, man. That's what football is all about. Guys out there competing, you get your wins, you get your L's, and you move on. So, you know, it's nothing to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, our fans keep realizing, yeah, just coaching our team. The other team, you know, they're paid to make, like you always like to say, they're paid to make plays too. You know, we're not going to just go out there and just have a, a total dominance, no matter how well we play. You know, so many times you see a well-designed play or whatever just simply not work because, um, you know, that, you know, the other team was just, you know, prepared and better for it. You know, and like that last comment you just had up, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, we did come up short. We played hard. We fought. You know, I you know, I didn't care for a lot of fans giving up when it was 33-14. I'm going to cut this game off and stuff like that. So what we yell and keep pounding for? You know what I'm saying? Is that only when we're we're up and when we're in control? Um, I like the fact that, you know, in spite of the mistakes, in spite of all of that, you know what I'm saying? We fought like hell, man. You know, Matt Rue don't have no quitters over there. We may have got outmatched. We may have made mistakes. Uh, but through it all, I didn't see not one player's head down on the sideline when we was down uh, 14, uh, when we was down 33-14. You know, I saw players, you know what I'm saying, talking and, you know, look like on the sideline, you know, having, you know, group huddles or whatever to get it up, man. And I just saw a team that that somehow, some way, you know, was trying to, you know, make a game of it. You know, and, and until that last Dallas drive, I mean, we have put ourselves in possible position to, like I said, have a chance to potentially tie the score. So I just love the fact that we ain't let this thing really steamroll and be one of those, you know, 49-14 type of games, which it could have easily been. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you know, ain't, ain't no quitters over in Carolina. You know, it was an ugly day, but it's not because we, you know, uh, gave up and just rolled over when things didn't go our way. Brandon. I think Xander just was getting plenty of snaps. He's made a lot of plays this year for us. You know, he seemed to be a good unfragile free agent pickup. I think he'll continue to get more snaps as the year goes on if he keeps playing the way he does. Don't get me started. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. I'm gonna let y'all handle that one. Yeah, we we got we got Sunday night football to watch tonight. I'm not I'm not talking about nothing I've been beating down for for several years. I've been beating that for a whole half a year, so I'm good. We don't have yeah, to talk yeah. much yeah, about I don't him. want to talk about him right we now. We know what it is. Like, you uh, know I, what I, it is. I believe the fifth on that comment. Well, let me ask this real quick. Not I love you, Mary. It is what it is, Mary. We ain't, ain't nothing to talk about. <laughs>
<laughs> right. Yeah, but uh, Paradise was ass. You know what I'm saying? That was just him. Um, you know, as far as Damn, ass, Moulton took his L's. Miller had a couple. He had a holding penalty. Not one guy was great today. Like I don't. I, don't... <laughs> I mean, the Dallas was But I saw Cam Irving get beat. He took the Dallas helmet. Took the guy's helmet. Tore it off. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Dallas's um coach was too dumb to take the um second and twenty seven. He declined the penalty and helped us out. I'm like, right, right. That was ripped his helmet off after he got beat. I'm like, should have been second and twenty seven. I'm just thankful Mike McCarthy's a goofball, but man, that's what's gonna hold Dallas back. They got Mike McCarthy and Quinn <laughs> calling plays out there, brother. They talented. They ain't gonna last long. That shit gonna fizzle out. <laughs> <laughs> like Stephen A. Like say, just wait. <laughs> it's going to fizzle out. You got Dan Quinn out there, bro. I ain't, I ain't too much worried about them. They got us today. I just want to see him in January or February now since we got the extra game. Outside of the TD, how did C.J. Henderson do today? I wouldn't worry about that right now. Um, My PFF grades probably not going to be very good because of the touchdown and all of that. So people are going to say what they're going to say. But what you notice when they put CJ in, he was lined up on our sideline. Why? Because the coaches had to literally tell him what the play was, what to do. So they wanted to keep him close to them so they can say, so he can speak his language. He doesn't really had enough time to really understand how we play defense. So they put him in on certain situations and then, you know, they tell him, we're in cover one, you're in man coverage, we're in cover three. He knows cover three ever since high school, so he knows what to do. They really kept it simple, kept him near our sideline so they could relay him his responsibility and what the defense was. So I liked how they worked him in slowly today, but it's a learning process. So I'm not I'm not really ready to evaluate him just yet. So I think we have, I think that's a to be determined type of question right there. I noticed in the last three games specifically, Donald has yet to complete a deep pass to the left side of the field. I think. Um, I agree with that. I mean, I think a part of it is we can't protect them and there's not enough time to throw in certain situations, but I do think he has to be better at the same time with his downfield accuracy. I think at times when he does throw the ball downfield, you know, he's not giving his guy a chance to make a play on the ball. Like, I mean, Robbie Anderson should have had a deep ball touchdown today. And then, you know, we overthrew that one. But I mean, I just think when quarterbacks anticipate pressure, it affects their accuracy. So I don't think he's just comfortable in the pocket yet because he's looking at the rush and more worried about who's he going to have to move and sidestep and avoid rather than, you know, making an accurate throw downfield. So I think all of that kind of goes hand in hand. Well, the biggest thing about that, you know, that's a good point that he make, uh, he's making. Honestly, we had Cam for years. Most of his errant throws were about mechanics, right? mechanically throwing to the left, you have to kind of step into that throw. It's going to be kind of hard to step into that throw when I would say 80% of the pressure that you see on, on a down to down basis comes from that left side. We like the whole line is trash, but it's, it's abysmal on the left side. So I wouldn't, if you would have told me that with my eyes closed, I would believe you hundred percent that Donald is struggling throwing to the left side of the field because the left side of your offensive line is, the worst side of the offensive line. That's just what it is. Given how the Cowboys came out in the third and dominated us on both sides of the ball. See, that gets back to the comment with me, too. I don't think we were out coached. I think we were out physical. You know, I think guys were in position. They just weren't making plays. We couldn't protect. You know, I think we kind of touched on a lot of those plays we left on the field today. 
You know, I mean, gap. I mean, a defense defense is simple. Run defense is this is my gap. You know, you can't have Phil Snow and you know Evan Cooper come out there and you know have gap control for guys. They got to you know defensive linemen need to buckle down and protect the linebackers. Linebackers got to scrape, make plays, and you know make tackles. And I don't think we did that. Took poor angles, missed tackles, got blown off the ball. I mean, offensively, I mean, 11 hits, quarterback pressures. What more can the coaching staff really do when players aren't going to execute? Yeah, because, I mean, you know, what part of practice do they practice? Okay, all right, we're going to practice how we can make this play when Derrick Brown gets pushed back five yards into our linebackers or, you know what I'm saying, or, or you know, when, when teams run power, you know, at our 240-pound, you know, defensive ends, you know, things like that. I mean, you know, to say out – to say out coached that that really just um yeah I'm, I'm I'm with you will that that for for on on those aspects of it um you know it just just doesn't follow me you know I can't you know t- you just can't tell me that what was seen on the field is what they actually practice it's just the fact that whatever was emulated during the week whenever you know the physics matched the X's and O's you know when you actually got Zach Martin blocking you instead of what who would have been you know someone like a a Dennis Daly in practice blocking you it's a hell of a difference now Dennis Daly probably made it made the exact same steps and reach and everything else but when it's the actual real thing you know it's totally different just like for them you know who who on that team can match what Brian Burns do stimulating practice so you know it's just it's just a matter of when you meet the reality of what you've been practicing all week you're going to have to make your adjustments because obviously you know, the speed of the game and the intensity and the moves of it is going to be different than what you practice. Dallas played off coverage to the fourth quarter. I mean, that's smart football, though. You know, we had no timeout. So, I mean, Trayvon Diggs went to the bench. They were just resting them. Just they call it player management, I guess, with the 17-game season. So they just kind of played off coverage, let us march the ball, milk the clock. And that's I mean, they knew we had no timeouts left. I mean, that's just smart football. We – that's why you just got to keep the game close and not let it get to that point. But I still think, you know, we did a good job driving the ball, getting it down to one score and potentially giving ourselves the best chance we could trying to tie the game. But that was kind of disrespectful, you know, put benching digs in that fourth quarter just to rest them. I mean, luckily we took advantage of that, though. Third quarter has been a problem all season so far. You know, and I think in every case of that, it's execution. It just seems like we just do a poor job of protecting the quarterback. I mean, I think ever since the Jets game, ever since, you know, look at the third quarter, Darnold's under pressure. And when he's under pressure, that's when he makes mistakes. That's when we give up sacks. I mean, and turn the ball over. So then we come out the third. You had a halftime and offensive line had a penalty right away. Right. Like, it is what it is. Like, Yeah, we sure did. Yeah, it was on Dennis Daly. Yeah, it was uh, – uh, let's see. It was – um, yeah, Chuba Hubbard came out and ran for seven yards, and uh, Dennis Daly got called for holding. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. there it is right there. <laughs> Can't believe how Brown and others were getting – now, look, I mean, yeah, Derrick Brown got took his losses today, but that's Zach Martin, though. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> the best guard. If Derrick Brown wants to be in that realm of Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox, he's going to have to. These are the games where you show that you're on that level. But at the same time, I mean, he's a top 10 pick. We want him to be at that level one day. 
But, I mean, Zach Martin been in this league for years. He's probably the best guard in the NFL right now. I mean, maybe next don't second. Disrespect, best. Don't disrespect Quentin Nelson like that, bro. No, <laughs> second, second, best, second best. I mean, he has an argument. Uh, I mean, they're both good in their own right. But, you know, Nelson on IR now, though. But, you know. Hey, Frank Frank Ragnar can play guard too, bro. You better watch your mouth, man. <laughs> yeah, you got him too. Uh, Michael Jones, appreciate you for that super chat. What happened to Reddick today? I thought Dallas did a good job of neutralizing him. They ran at him, and that's not his strength ever since he was with the Cardinals. I think, you know, when you look at you – know, we talk about how well their interior offensive line played today. Look at how well their tackles and tight ends blocked as well. A lot of those runs by Ezekiel Elliott were off tackle. So I think they took advantage of our undersized, fast, athletic edge rushers and wanted to make that an emphasis on the best way to neutralize an edge rusher is to run at them. And I think that's what they were able to do with Hassan Reddick today. Not only that, I mean, look at these stats. Dak only threw the ball 22 times. So how effective is your pass rush going to be when a team's not really going to be throwing the ball that much? I mean, he threw four touchdown passes on 188 yards, and one of those was a big, what, 35-yard pass to – Amari Cooper. So how if you take that away, I mean, what was they really doing? Dak was getting the ball out fast. That's one way you neutralize the pass rush. Uh, we played a lot of man coverage. So if the rush wouldn't get there, Dak did a good job of stepping out of the pocket and running while the cornerbacks and DBs had their backs turned. It's another way to neutralize man. Was Nick rush. So I just think they did a good job of neutralizing them today. Plus, when you get the run game going, that's how you neutralize it. Great athletic pass rushing team like the Panthers. You know, Phil Snow's pressure packages were basically useless at that point. Reddick wasn't 100% either, man. He was nicked up. He took a play, a few plays off. He did get hurt. Yeah, when you're giving up 7.2 yards to carry, you don't, you don't have to pass the ball, you know, more than 22 times. I mean, <laughs> you know, second and third, you know, what? I mean, you know, you know, you don't need big, huge chunks of pass when you when you're getting set up like that. Sam played well today. Yeah, overall, I thought he had an um, efficient game. I just think when you know you're playing from behind and you're under pressure, you try to press it a little bit too much, and I think that's what happened on those two turnovers. But you know, overall, you know, play by play, I think you know guys had their ups and downs all day. Can't believe that. Watch our O line try to block. <laughs> I guess what choices do they really have, though? I know a lot of fans want to see, you know, what do we have with Deontay Brown and uh, Brady Christensen? But, I mean, are they much better options? I mean, Kevin Smooth can probably answer that better than me. Are they ready to play now? No, not Brady Christensen. That's not my opinion. He ain't no better than what we're putting out there every Sunday. And I told y'all before, Derek, I mean, not Derek, Deontay Brown has a lot of work to do with pass it, so. He might be effective coming in and helping us run the ball better, but in those passing down situations, he's a liability. So I, I don't think there's really an upgrade on the roster. I think any kind of upgrade, we're going to have to go out in free agency or make a trade with someone. Yeah, man, this, that's my um, this is my high school teammate. This is my right tackle, 6'6", uh, six, six, about 330 pounds. My, my brother from another mother – uh, uh, my boy Wayne Burdett Curry, he, that hard Cowboys fan, has been since we've been in school. So, you know, this goes way back to the 90s for me, man. But yeah, Burdett, congratulations on your team. Um, I'm in Facebook jail, so that's why I couldn't comment. You know, I get out of jail Friday morning. Um, that's another subject for another day. But 
but yeah, man, that's just, you know, that's just my brother right there. Just give me a hard time as Cowboys won. You know, he talked when they win, but when they quiet, you know, can't find him. <laughs> this coming from a fan since the 90s. I'm telling you, Darnold isn't the answer in this O-line. You know, I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion, so I'm not going to knock somebody for, you know, what they think. But I don't think any of us will know the answer about Darnold until week 18. You know, he's going to have his up. He's going to have his downs. You need a full season, full body of work before you make a fair evaluation of who's the future. All we know is that he's the now. So we got to support him, give him the best position to succeed, protect him. Receivers got to get open. Defense has to do their job to give him good field position. And we'll, we'll have a fair evaluation after week 18. But I think after four games, you know, crowning him as the king or telling him he's not the answer, it's just way too premature. So I'll put that one on the back burner for now. And, well, if I could add something to that, uh, I didn't know if y'all paid attention to what they brought up during the game about Sam Donald when he scored his uh, rushing touchdowns. With five rushing touchdowns in four games, Sam Donald is the only quarterback in the Super Bowl era to have five rushing touchdowns in four games. You know, and to, you know, I'm, you can, I don't know if you want to charge that as a meaningless stat, but, you know, when you think about Sam Donald, nobody thought of him as any type of, you know, ability to, quote, you know, rushing touchdowns. You know, he's not a he's not a Cam. He's not a Vic. He's not, you know, any of that or whatever. But, you know, I just thought that's a pretty cool, you know, um, stat that's going on. I mean, who would ever thought, you know, Sam Donald is leading the league in rushing touchdowns? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, like I say, you, whatever you think about that stat, but, you know, they did. Uh, matter of fact, Greg Olson was the one. Uh, that brought that up when um, when they was talking about it when he uh, when he scored his second rushing touchdown. So I thought that was a pretty cool thing to think about of all the quarterbacks that run the ball and score rushing touchdowns. Sam Donald did something that had never been done before in the Super Bowl era. So hey, yeah, man, and he's out there just doing his job, man. I mean, I don't know how you can pin this loss on him. I mean, you know, I think I think it's clear the Jets. Haven't really didn't really tap into his full skill set and didn't really use him as a runner, didn't use him in goal line situations, and that probably why his production suffered while he was there. But it's just good to see uh Joe Brady being able to put him in situations where he can win. And you know, he's having a career year so far. So let's just see how this plays out before we, you know, start making bold statements about his future. Maybe we can get Wayne to play left tackle for us. Probably better than what we have there now. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I'll vouch for him, man. You know, he's been in the – man, bro, be in the gym 5 o'clock in the morning. Hey, Burdett, man, come on, bro. Let, let's – you know, shoot. I can um, I got some connections, man. I can I can see if I can get something done for you, man. We, she is. Yeah, 6'6", 335. Yeah, that, that'll, that'll, do, that'll do good for us right about now. I wish the Panthers would manage C-Mac when the game is out of reach. Got to blow teams out to do that, though, man. <laughs> can't, have, can't take them out if it's these close nail biters we have, you know, every week. I agree. I don't call it the it factor. Cam Newton had that. You know, but think about it. Cam Newton is a borderline Hall of Famer, though. I mean, trying to put Sam Darnold to that standard is never going to live up to it. I mean, Cam was the, what, all-time leading rushing touchdowns. And, you know, it's – you gotta, you gotta get over that someday and let Sam Darnold be the best Sam Darnold he could be, not always compare him to what we've had before. And I think through four games, I mean, he's playing much better than any of us expected. So let's just see, you know, what he's able to do the rest of the year. And I think let's just be fair. We don't have to anoint him as the next franchise quarterback. We don't have to 
down him and say he's not the answer. Let's let it play out. Let's get an 18-game body of work, hopefully more, and, you know, we'll make our decision this January or February. I think any talk of that right now is just premature. I thought the game changed after that missed field goal. Momentum just went away. I agree. I mean, I think I would have liked to punt there. Um, I think when you – punting tells me you trust your defense, you know, put, pin them back, play the field position game, and let your defense, you know, try to make a play and force a turnover with Dallas pinned back in their own territory. I think with the um, kicking that field goal and giving them that kind of field position, you know, was definitely one of the turning points in the game. I see y'all winning your division. Yeah, we're still three and one. My favorite quote from Deion Sanders is how he looked at the season. Every four games, you want to go three and one. So, so far, we're right on schedule as far as that goes. Again, <laughs> okay, I'll let Kev handle this one. But like I said, man, four games, it's just way too early to make strong predictions like this. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I, I can get, you know, the pessimistic side of this offensive line. I mean, don't get me wrong, I get it. I see it. Um, I've yet to see any marginal noticeable improvement in our offensive line play. You know, just it just goes more to giving more credit to Joe Brady's scheming and, and Sam Donald's pocket presence, why this type of defensive uh, pass rushing offense uh, domination by opposing defense hasn't happened yet, um, but we were just put in a situation today where, um, you know, it, it was just time to get exposed. So, you know, when this film come out, you know, I, I would pay good money to be in the film room when the when the offensive line coaches are looking at this with the players. Boy, I would love to know what's, what that what that session gonna be like. Will, <laughs> right? We will not get over. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. I think what I will say is don't overlook this Eagles team. I think they're a lot better record than what that one and three shows. So, I mean, it'll be a fun game. I think they got a lot of talent. Their quarterback, you know, he's up and down, but he's a very good athlete. He can make explosive plays. Uh, DeAndre, DeAndre, um, blah. Devontae Smith is a superstar at wide receiver. He's starting to come into his own. We know their D-line. I mean, we saw what Fletcher Cox was able to do when Trey Turner was here. So imagine what – these guys we got there now are going to have to deal with. So, I mean, it'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to getting past this and seeing what we got next week. Reasoning without any offense in my beginning, he holds the ball. Uh, honestly, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think there are some times where, you know, you can assign sacks to the quarterback. Other times you can assign sacks to the offensive line. I think one of the five sacks I would have – I mean, I me mean, – Kev and Smooth have our own opinions on it. I'll let Kev speak on it as well. But I think one of the sacks was on him. I think the running back did a cut block. The line had a nice little pocket for him. But I guess maybe somebody didn't get open downfield. He didn't anticipate. But I don't disagree with that. I think there are some sacks that we blame the offensive line for but could be assigned either to, one, the quarterback holding the ball, or two, the receivers not getting open downfield. So it's a team game, you know. You just got to – guys got to do their job. Yeah, I mean, you spot on with that assessment, Will. Um, you know, the sacks are, are something that, um, you know, when you look at time in the pocket, you know, compared to the type of play that's called, you know, when you look at when it's a three-step drop, you know, you're expecting the ball to be out in two seconds. You know, when it's a five-step drop, you know, you're looking more like uh, two and a half, three seconds. And then obviously when it's a seven-step drop, you're looking at, you know, protection of three seconds or longer for the play to materialize. So when you look at, you know, what we had out there today based on what was called, 
Um, you know, you just have to be fair and just analyze what was a what was a coverage sack um, and what was just simply uh, bad offensive line play. But uh, I would say that one that you're talking about, where um, I think it was, I think it was Hubbard. Yeah, he uh, he picked up the blitz and linebacker. Uh, matter of fact, it was Parsons. Matter of fact, and he did a good job getting down. But you know, he saw it, He got back up and still was able to uh, get to the quarterback. That's just that's just a hell of a play. Any other linebacker, you know, without that type of athletic talent, I don't think would have gotten to him that quick. But um, you know, it, shit happens, man. On to the next play. Schedule is very soft. I peek at it. I see 11, 12. You know, I mean, I wouldn't say our schedule is soft. I think uh, with our offensive line, we can't overlook any opponents. I mean, think about the Houston Texans. What we beat them by, uh, it was a close game for three quarters. They lost 40 to nothing today. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think we, we can take really take guys for granted. You know, let's just focus on Philadelphia, get better every week, and, you know, we'll see where we stand in a few weeks. I know we're all eager to learn about what this team's going to be, but you know, we still got a lot of work to do as we showed today. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely not to be positioned to be arrogant enough to to uh, feel that way. Now, if we was if we had the type of O line like that, I probably would be a little bit more agreeable that it would be more favorable. But I think I get what he's saying, though, Will. I think that he looks at it and think, okay, this is an opponent that we definitely feel like we should have an opportunity to win, and and I could agree with that, you know. But at the same time. Uh, with uh, with the obviously Achilles heel that got exposed. Now, like I said, now team's going to be like, okay, I know we don't normally power run, but this is what Dallas dominated with. Let's come out and let's have our own run heavy, you know, offensive line, you know, type of attack uh, to see how they respond. Like I say, teams, will, teams don't mind switching up what they normally do to attack and expose weakness. So, again, we're going to see. So, uh, you know, don't be surprised if we don't see a lot of, you know, QB power runs, you know, with a Jalen Hurts coming up. Um, uh, what's the uh, running back they got with? I think came from out of Penn State that they got. Um, yeah, Miles Sanders. Yeah, Miles Sanders. I mean, he's a guy um, that, that definitely can, you know, make plays. So, uh, you know, don't be surprised if we don't see uh, this Eagle team try to be more balanced, if not, you know, favoring towards the run, because based on what we saw, they, we didn't give no reason to think that we can stop the run. So other teams are about to test us in that manner, even if that's not their traditional or their offense philosophy. So for this right. week, the blueprint is until they stop it, um, man power blocking against the Carolina Panthers defensive front. And that's right. what we're going to see. So don't be shocked to see it next week. Now, how we handle it, that's going to be the difference. Right. No, Eagles got a Hall of Fame offensive line coach. I mean, one of the probably the best ever. So, you know, they're going to become ready. Yeah, now they were missing um, three starters today. Um, I don't know what the final score was uh, with the Chiefs uh, that they had. I think both tackles were out and their uh, right guard. But yeah, it was um, forty-three to thirty. They still put up thirty points on KC. Yeah, without without three. Yeah, without three of the offensive starters. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Again, you can't you can't you can't sleep on nobody like that. What did we use for timeouts on? I think it was plays not getting in. Um, I think one rule uh, was had to make one extra time to think about a fourth down going forward on fourth and one. That actually worked out though. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You just gotta <laughs> improve with that time management. Looked like we missed Horn more today than Dan Arnold. I mean, 
you know, you look at Dak. I mean, he only threw the ball for 22 times. I think how much would a horn helped against the run game? <laughs> I mean, I think it was more of an issue of getting beat up front. Um, I, I was happy with how Dante Jackson played. Um, I mean, C.J. Henderson, I mean, it's too early to know what kind of impact he's going to have. Um, safety play could have been better. I think Burris was probably more of a loss. We saw Burris um, was more of a loss than J.C. Horn, I thought, in a couple of plays today. But, I mean, hey, I mean, got a lot of young guys out there that going to step up and play for us. We'll see what they do. To step up and get back. I mean, yeah, it's a good opportunity. You saw um, how Dallas was able to contain Hurts last Monday night. I think we have the ability to do a lot of things they do with getting pressure on them with our front four. So uh, let's just good game. We'll break down the Eagles tomorrow night. Make sure y'all tune in. So I um, looks like that's all of our uh, comments. You got anything else, Kev, before we call it a night and get back to this uh, Brady Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Nah, like I say, Panther man, like I say, it was an ugly loss. It was a painful loss, but today it was still one loss. You know, uh, if you want to look at it from an optimistic side, you know, we're three and one through the first uh, first quarter of the season. How many of us, you know, when the when the schedule came out, thought we would be in that position? Um, if you're all, if you're kind of a pessimist, yeah, you got a right to be concerned about the um, now our run defense getting exposed and obviously our offensive line, which. You know, me and, me and Smooth have been talking about since free agency and draft um, started. Um, main thing is, we just we just got to see how this team respond. So I'm definitely looking forward to uh, this time next week. Right. Let's get to this comment here. You remember Joe Brady when McCaffrey got hurt last year? He used Curtis Samuel in the backfield a lot. I think DJ has that same ability and skill set. So I think it's a good idea. I mean, get the ball in his hands. He's probably the best yard after catch receiver in the league right now. So I like seeing that as well. But what did I tell you? The first time we lost the game, I said, oh, well, we're not going 17-0, right? That's all we know today. So still 3-1 and one's a good position to be in. Yeah, and with our division robbers, because the Falcons lost, the Saints lost. So, right. you know, if New England want to do us a solid right here, <laughs> you know, I lost I lost uh, today. Didn't um didn't give away – didn't give away that uh, – no um, – Give away our divisional lead, you know, heading into um, week four. So, uh, you know, and, and that's another point. You know, people talking about look at our schedule. We played them same, the same Giants that beat the Saints today. We got to play them. So, again, uh, you know, there's no gimmies uh, whatsoever. That same Washington team that beat the Falcons, we got to play them too. Right. You know, they put up, what, 30, what, 34? 34, 34 to 30. 34 points, Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's no such thing as looking at our schedule. Oh, this that's a win. Nah, don't work like that. There any reason to believe as a free agent old line guy? The thing I learned about old linemen is when teams have good linemen, they rarely let them go. And if they do go, you're gonna pay a hefty price for them in the trade market. That's why I just think it's best to draft and develop those kind of guys if you have the opportunity to. At this stage in the year, I wouldn't count on any. Big name. I mean, you got guys like DJ Fluker out there, but is he, you know, he's a vet, been banged up. I mean, is he going to really upgrade over a John Miller at this point? So I think we just got to roll with the guys we got and address the offensive line next spring in the draft or free agency. And here he says, imagine if Dallas would have got Horn with Diggs on the team. Yep. They had JC Horn on their um, target. 
<laughs> yeah, matter of fact, when we drafted him, that was the reason why they uh they traded back a little bit, um, right. a couple of spots because that's what they wanted. Thanks, fella. Yeah, we're gonna get back to doing the all twenty two breakdowns. We gotta get NFL Game Pass to um stop acting up. I think they changed their system a little bit, makes it a lot more difficult. But I mean, we're still gonna do them. I think our defense. I don't think they underestimated necessarily. You gotta remember Dallas's offensive line, especially on the interior, is some very good players. Zach Martin, Tyler Bia does. I just thought they did a good job of combo blocking, blowing our guys off the ball and you know, creating running lanes. You know, what's the best way to deal with an edge rusher? You run at them. I think that's what they did today. So hey Phil, you wanna let our fans know about the uh, super chat? Yeah, I mean, we saw um, some super chat today. We appreciate uh, Mike for uh, helping us out. If y'all want to support the channel, that's a good way to do so. So um, that's something we're going to start doing on these post-game lives. So, I mean, it's only on YouTube, though. So if you feel you want to like the content, want to support the channel, you're more than welcome to, you know, contribute on the super chat. Appreciate everybody for your support. Dallas is 21 and 0. I think I've seen when they run more than that throw. And that's not surprising. I mean, I think that's how they like to get um, going. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, they paid him the big contract. Tony Pollard, a good RB2. They're at their best when they can have a balanced offense and set up their deep balls to Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb downfield. Think about it um, before we log off for the night. Dante Jackson did an excellent job on C.D. Lamb today. I mean, C.D. only had two catches for 13 yards the whole game. And I thought that pass interference call was kind of ticky-tack. So, I mean, we're continuing to see Dante Jackson play at a high level. So, I mean, he's definitely earning that contract extension. Yeah, when you think about it, you know, Amari Cooper, 69 yards. I mean, you know, I think that was, um, you know, I think that's, you know, you know, respectable as well. Um, I, I think it was the plays by uh, the tight end. It seemed like all uh, his uh, catches turned in the first time, uh, Dalton Schultz. You know, I think those were the gut punches that kind of like, dang it, you know, like it seemed like his catches seemed to be the ones that uh, that really moved the chains for us. So, I mean, for them rather. <laughs> he was taking some hits too. Paying for those catches. We learn a less dependent on TNT. I think they're starting to. I mean, we saw DJ Moore turn into a true number one wide receiver. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to see how he continues to grow. Yeah, that's something we just got to get better at. I mean, Jeremy Chen, Shaq Thompson, those guys got to be better, get an improvement coverage against tight ends. It's something we've been struggling with for a few years now. Okay, I think that's the last comment right there. So we appreciate y'all for tuning in. Be sure to tune in tomorrow night. We'll break down the upcoming game with the Philadelphia Eagles. Burn this tape, throw it in the garbage. Time to focus on uh, Philly. Again, thank you, everybody, for your support. Thanks for tuning in. See you tomorrow hey, night. Keep pounding. At uh, 9 o'clock, right? Yep, 9 o'clock sharp. So All right. Look forward to that one. All right, y'all.